the word of God, would you remain standing, please, and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Lamentations, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 1. We'd like to read the first six verses responsibly this morning. Lamentations chapter 1, allow me to read verses 1, 3, and 5. Would you read with me, please, verses 2, 4, and 6? Once again, it's Lamentations chapter 1. Verses 1 through 6, and reading responsively. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow, and that was great among the nations? She was great among the nations, and princess among the provinces. How has she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath none to comfort her, All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. The ways of Zion do mourn because none cometh to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted. And she is in bitterness. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord hath afflicted her. For the multitude of her transgressions. Her children are gone into captivity before the enemy. And from the daughter of Zion all her beauty is departed. Her princes are become like hearts that find no pasture. And they are gone without strength before the pursuer. May God have his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, speak to every heart this morning, Lord, as we look at this book of Lamentations. Lord, there's a time to weep. We don't like to hear that, but Lord, this book tells us that. And uh, Lord, there's some things that we should be weeping over. And Lord, we thank 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 you for the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We pray that you'd give us hope and joy at the end of this message, we pray. And Lord, may you be exalted, we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lamentations chapter... One this morning here, I'm looking to surveying the audience, it's all core. Everybody here has put up with me for many hundreds of messages, of course, and so I'm glad that you're here this morning here, and, and look forward to the day when uh, houses of God start to fill up a little bit more again, hopefully as springtime comes, I hope that's the case. And I didn't announce, I knew what I was going to preach on, of course, early this week, obviously, and I didn't announce the title, the message, on purpose on Friday, I didn't want to make people cry and weep, of course, but... Ecclesiastes chapter 3, to everything there's a season, and we get to verse number 4, and there's a time to laugh, and a time to play, and a time to make war, but there's a time to weep. And uh, we find this book of Lamentations. It's a book of weeping, in case you don't know. And uh, we preach a series of messages. In fact, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you what I'm thinking. Uh, we just a little mini, mini series of messages here, and it's Perceived to be so negative that I think this is the last message on, on judgment, but we started a series three, three, four weeks ago when God judges a nation. And uh, I said that people are so spiritually inept that they don't even realize they're being judged. In fact, I read my devotions this morning here. Let me just share with you Proverbs 28 and verse number 5. I just came across it, and it says there, Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. We're so spiritually dead and so spiritually diseased in our country, we don't understand when we're even being judged. 
I think judgment is not coming. I think I know it's coming, but I think it's on upon us as we speak now. And then we preached on a message last Sunday, of course, on the cancellation of truth. And truth is fallen in the streets. Truth is perished. And uh, the lies are truth, and the truth and truth is a lie now. And uh, we have a counterculture, of course, an anti-biblical culture, and it's affecting everybody in America and it's affecting our churches across America as well. People are afraid to speak the truth. Well, this morning. I want to deal with this subject of, from Lamentations, the time to weep. April 10th, 1912, Southampton, England, the RMS Titanic set sail on its maiden voyage. And you already know the rest of the story, don't you? Five days later, of course, the, the ship that was dubbed the, the ship, so that, the ship that God couldn't even sink, of course, the unsinkable ship. Well, we know the rest of that story. It's, it's sunk. Here we have in the very first word of how, of this chapter, how, or alas, or lamentation. How could this be? This city, the city of Jerusalem, the year is 586 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has invaded for the final third, what's called the third deportation of Israel, the final annexation, the final plundering of Jerusalem. I want you to picture a city much like probably Warsaw, Poland in World War II, Nazi Germany in 1945, or maybe Dresden or a city, or Dresden rather, uh, Germany, or we could go to Hiroshima or Nagasaki. I want you to picture in your mind total devastation. This was the apple of God's eye. This was the nation that, whose people was God is the Lord. This is the nation that God set his blessings upon. How could this ever happen? This city, this city of Greatest Lord, greatest to be praised is Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The, as the Titanic was an unsinkable ship, this was, an, if you could call it, an indestructible or unsinkable country. And I want to give you the premise this morning here. It's on the worksheet to begin with this morning. Some things deserve to be wept over. Everybody wants a happy, go lucky message. This is not making, listen to folks, I've studied this stuff. I'm, 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 I'm no, no joke at all. I'm not even being funny when I say this. I've studied church philosophy and ideology in regards to growing churches. This message did not make the cut. This message is not, you're not supposed to preach these messages. It's not popular. There's 57 chapters in our Bible. I'm talking about 52 chapters in Jeremiah. He was called, as we said, referenced last week, he's called the weeping prophet, not the laughing prophet. This message were not pleasing, were not popular, but they were prophetic. They weren't pathetic, but some people thought they were pathetic in regards to the fact that it talked about judgment. They wanted to kill him, and they did kill him. 52 chapters of, from the weeping prophet, and then we get to this book of Lamentations, 5 Songs, five funeral dirges. If you notice, chapter, 20, chapter 1 has 22 verses. It's a sonnet. It's, it's in an acrostic form. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And the first letter, of course, being Aleph, and then Beth, and then Gamel, and uh, uh, Daleph, rather, and Gamel, and for RG, and so forth. And, and each verse corresponds. It was in acrostic form, so verse 1 in the Hebrew would, deal with, would be the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So 
Hebrews, or rather Lamentations chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 4 and 5 all have 22 verses. Chapter 3, as we're going to find out, has 66 verses, of course, 154 verses in all. And chapter 5, of course, chapter 3, rather, excuse me, 66 verses is a trilogy, or three, three uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 all begin with Aleph, and then verses 4, 5, and 6 begin with Beth, and so forth, throughout the alphabet. And these songs were sung. Some have called this Lamentations five, these five chapters as we know them as five funeral dirges. Songs composed in a graveyard is another byword for this book of Lamentations as people stood and sat in rubble and the town was destroyed. Some have said that Lamentations is an ocean of sobs and a river of tears. And it's God's destruction from A to Z. I stood at the wailing wall being a man. I could stand there. Ladies, if you're a lady, no offense, but you can't stand there. There's still misogynist, I guess, over there in, in Israel. Pardon me for being blunt here. But uh, men get to go to the wall, not ladies. And I've been to the Western Wall, where we know it as the wailing wall, the Gentiles. And they sing this lamentations, these sonnets, these songs, this funeral dirge at the wailing wall, even this day. And it's prophetic passage of Scripture. And they, they said the name Lamentations was a name that was derived after the fact. There was no name for the book per se. It's, we will notice that it says how, verse number one. How, or the same word for alas, or how could this be? Weeping with, how could the city of, that God blessed so much, how could the nation that God blessed, how could it be destroyed? I remember, you know, you all know that I'm a big talk show radio host, or talk show uh, buff. And so I've listened to, I used to listen to Brad Davis for 30 plus years on the radio. And Brad Davis, of course, he, he uh, uh, used to like him overall. He, I disagreed with him on a number of things here, but I overall put up with him and so forth and liked him overall. And he always played that song about America at the end of his broadcast, of course, and at high noon, of course. And, uh, but uh, he always said something like this to the fact that he says, God will always be with America. And I said to myself, I, many years ago, I said to myself, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. And so I want to give you, if we can, five lessons from Lamentations. Lesson number one here, and we'll try to hurry along here this morning here. Lesson number one that we learned from Lamentations is, and we talk, touched on this three weeks ago in the first message, God can choose to bless a nation, and God can curse a nation as well. Psalm 33 and verse 12, we quote it all the time. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. we got a lot of problems in America. We say that all the time. We know that. But it's still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We still better live here than other places for sure. But God's blessed America, the new Jerusalem, the new Israel. And we've been blessed far more than we can start naming hundreds of nations across the globe. God's blessed us. And God blessed Israel beyond belief. God bless them, but now in this lamentation, how, alas, lamentations, weeping, how could this be that God would pour out his wrath? And I noticed a sharp contrast, I think we referenced this last week, but I saw it firsthand uh, 20 years ago, we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary of 9-11. On 9-12, in fact on 9-11, America got spiritual. On 9-11, we cried out to God. I remember going to Co Park and having hundreds and hundreds, a couple thousand people down in Co Park on Thursday night, 
And then 9.13, of course, with candles and vigils, and we sang Amazing Grace. Uh, the, all the heathens of Torrington, Connecticut, including me. And we, we, we prayed, and nobody had a, and we asked God to bless America. And everybody was asking God to bless America. Liquor stores were asking God to bless America. We were blessing, we, had, we put on our cars bumper stickers, God bless America. We prayed for God and to, to bless us and to heal us and to be on our side and so forth. And for about a month, America got spiritual. I liken that to what's happened in the last year or so. I don't see that same analogy happening. I don't think it ever did happen. And we never have turned to, to God. We've turned to the CDC. we turned to the World Health Organization. we turned to Dr. Fauci. But we haven't turned to the, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this paradigm, this, this, this blessing between, here's this nation that once a time was blessed of God. And uh, chapter 1 and 2, if you get the outline of it, letter A on our worksheet. Chapter 1, basically, I think what we learn from chapter 1 is that the good that could have been. Notice chapter 1, verse 1 again. How does the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations, the greatest, and princess among the provinces. How has she become tributary? How has she become in captive? And uh, God desired to give her comfort and desired to bless her. And, and now he's turned to, to be their enemy, of course. And we see that God is good. And we referenced last week as well, Matthew 23, as we fast forward to 600 years. Jesus said in the week of his passion, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that come unto me. How often will I gather thee as a chicken gathers her hens under her, hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not? Behold, your house was left in a desolate. I wanted to bless you. I think I'm preaching to a fairly educated crowd this morning. God wants to bless you this morning. All God's people said, God's a good God. Tim preached on, Tim Neal preached on that the other night. Uh, God is good. He's good to all. He's good to Israel. God's a good God. It's his nature. It's his attribute. God wanted to be good to the apple of his eye. God wanted to be good to Israel. God wants to be good to America. But America, like Israel of old, we've turned our back on God. And so we see chapter 1, it summarizes that the, the, good that God, the good that God could have been to Israel. But then chapter 2, we see the God that brought judgment. Uh, the, the, look at chapter 2, verse number 1. It starts with the same word that we see in chapter 1, verse 1. How, or alas, or with, with turmoil, with crying, with, with astonishment, how hath the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger? And it cast down from heaven, even unto the earth, the beauty of Israel. And remember not his footstool in the day of his anger. Notice this, that God brought judgment. And it's God, the direct judgment from God Almighty. Verse number two, the Lord has swallowed up all the inhabitants of Jacob and have not pitied. Can the day come where America will swallow up the inhabitants of America without pity? You say, that couldn't happen. Israel said it couldn't happen to them. God allowed it. In fact, not only did God allow it, he instigated it. Verse number two, he has thrown down his wrath, the strongholds of the daughters of Judah. He hath brought them down to the ground. He hath polluted the kingdom and the princes thereof. Verse three, he hath cut off his fierce anger, uh, all the horn, in in his fierce anger, all the horn of Israel. Verse number four, for time's sake, he hath bent his bow like an enemy. He stood with his right hand as an adversary, 
and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle in his dwelling place of the daughter of Zion. Verse number five. The Lord was an enemy, but hath swallowed, and he, he hath swallowed up Israel. Verse six again. And he hath violently taken away his tabernacle. We go through the succeeding uh, 14 verses, whatever there is in the chapter, and we see over 30 times we see that he, God is the one that brought judgment. God is the one that allowed it to happen. He's the instigator. And I want to give you this morning here, and it's number two on our worksheet. I guess the, 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 the people upstairs, thank you, Dustin, are following very good here. I did a glance here. But I want you to know that God has various forms of judgment. Various forms of judgment. Letter A, sometimes God's judgment is immediate. Sometimes it comes instantaneously. Two examples. Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. You know it well, many of you Bible scholars. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, the high priest, they offered strange fire on the altar, and God sent fire. God killed them instantly. In 2 Samuel 6, and verse 6 and 7, a good man by the name of Uriah, he, what did he do? He just tried to steady the Ark of the Covenant when they hit a pothole, that, that, that card of oxen. He was trying to do a good thing, and God immediately slew him on the spot. Sometimes judgment comes instantaneously as a direct judgment of God with no warning. I referenced this morning, I'll say it again, and I have to always be elusive when I talk about one of my 500 funerals that I've had over the last 36 years. But I remember burying, uh, I guess I can, enough years have gone by, I can say a young man, just barely out of his teens, in fact, I think he was 20, I've told the story many times that so I've had to allude to it because the family is still in the area. And I'm guessing that they're not going to listen to this on tape. And so they were, used to come to church. Almost every time the doors were open on Sunday morning, we'd pick him up on our bus as a boy. But he got away from the house of God and he was with some friends at Saturday morning, on Sunday morning at 2 a.m. in the morning. And you already know where this story is going. The car got out of control, and unlike Tiger Woods, he didn't make it. And I preached his funeral. He was speeding, and he probably had an alcohol content. And maybe, maybe it's the first time he ever sped, I doubt it, but middle of the day, I say it was. Sometimes judgment comes immediate. Sometimes there's no warning. Sometimes God judges immediately, and he's fair to do that. He's a righteous judge. But more often, let her be, judgment has long-term effects. We've referenced both the messages for the third time. Jeremiah preached for 40 years, basically, roughly speaking. He preached judgment and warning for 40 years. There's three major deportations by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. In 606 B.C., 598 B.C., I had to learn these Bible colleges, I still remember them. 586 B.C., and you've got a reference Bible, you'll find out these dates are as familiar to Jewish people as 1776 is to American people, or should be. These three dates were the three dates of the major ex deportations, annexations, call it what you want, captivities or de deportations of the children of Israel into the land of bondage, into Iraq, what we know today is Iraq. And there's long-term judgment. It came over a period, sometimes judgment comes over a period of time. Drug usage, you know, we're so sophisticated, I, I get so upset. We're going to legalize drugs in America. We're going to legalize marijuana in America because everybody's doing it already anyhow and it's recreational and so forth and so why not? And now we're having a d d debate and a fight on who gets to sell it, of course, you know. And, uh, boy, don't get me started here. 
Stop it. Let me, let me get off that because I can get it down a rabbit trail. But we're going to make money this way. So what is the whole purpose of it? Just make money. Time, time the drug users, the drug pushers don't make their money. We time to go to the taxpayers so the politicians, politicians can, can, can spend more of our money, of course. But uh, drug usage, you take it today, it's like alcohol. Uh, first, it, at the last, it bites like a serpent and sings like an adder. At the last... You know, I, saw, I read the other day that uh, I saw in the news the other day, two days ago, I think it was, suicide and depression is up. Are we surprised? In fact, it's so, so far up in the last year that for the CDC or the American Medical Association, whoever it is, downsized the average lifespan of American by over a year. Did you see that? From 77.6 to 76 for, I think, 0.5 or something like that. We've lost one year of average life expectancy of Americans. They attributed to depression and suicide because of last year. Not because of that C word, but because of other things. And uh, uh, people are dying sooner because of being locked down and so forth. And uh, sin has long-term effects on us. And judgment comes in increments. You say, preacher... I don't like this message on judgment. Sometimes judgment is immediate. Sometimes it's long-term. But thirdly, let us see, always sin must be judged. Always. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He's a just God. The entire book of Leviticus, you see, and this is not popular preaching today, but the entire book of Leviticus, that boring, boring book for us Christians that many people don't understand and they just gloss over the third book of the Pentateuch. It's all about sacrifice for sin. It must be paid for. Between Leviticus and between Jeremiah and between Lamentations and several of the historical books of the Old Testament, we have a more mass body of Scripture than we do in all the Old Te- New Testament combined. It's all about judgment and all about sacrifice and all about weeping and so forth and sin and debauchery and so forth and what needs to be done about it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Sin must be judged. The soul that sins it shall die. In the ultimate judgment, I got a couple books in my office. Where'd the fire and hell go is the title. Something about hellfire, where'd it go? No longer do we preach on hell in America. It's an archaic idea. We preach on heaven still, and everybody goes there, but we don't want to preach on hell. Hell's God's ultimate. In fact, Isaiah the prophetic prophet in Isaiah 5.14, he says, Hell hath enlarged herself. The multitudes uh, are going into that. And hell was, Jesus said that in Matthew 24, verse 41, that hell was not created for us, it was created for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want people to go to hell, so that's why he gave his son, Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate judgment, of course, on that unrepentant person, though, is hell. So you may get through life, you may be, pardon me, Tiger Woods just popped in my head. I don't have anything against Tiger Woods. You know, I just wondered if I was, you know, in that same car, if I want to leave, he's got a ticket out of the deal. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm sure he wasn't speeding, and I'm sure, you know, whatever. I'm, pardon me, I'm, I'm going to get off subject. But uh, judgment oftentimes is not immediate. Very seldom is it immediate. Sometimes it's over, progressive, and it's intermediate, and it's increasing in, in form, and I think that's what's happening to America. But always, sin ultimately in time will be judged. And thank God I'm getting ahead of myself, but sin was judged 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. We thank the Lord for that. But let me give you a third lesson we learned from 
Lamentations. And that's simply, let me give you the point. In, we should weep over our nation as Jeremiah wept over his. Jeremiah 9, verse number 1. Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain daughter of my people. How many here would want to be the prophet Jeremiah in another life? Not me. His whole life was a life of oppression, or his whole life was a life of being of rejection, rather. His whole life was preaching a negative message. His whole life was he was being discredited, and he was called a liar, and he was called they wanted to kill him, and of course they we believe they did finally. He died a martyr's death. But God had called him to do this. And he wept for his people. He was a weeping prophet. And he rightfully so wept for the daughter, the daughter of his people. Look at chapter 2, verse 11 quickly. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured out upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because the children, the children and the sucklings swooned in the, cities, the streets of the city. Verse after verse after verse we see of this weeping, crying over his nation. I, I've said many times, many hundreds of times, and I, I don't know where my patriotism is today as much as it used to be, but I've always loved our country. I've said that a thousand times. I thank God, I, just as a boy growing up in the back, back fields of Ohio, I just somehow, we weren't a religious family per se by any stretch of imagination as a matter of fact, but somehow I learned to love America. I don't know, maybe just growing up and, you know, waking up in a peaceful uh, country home every day, I suppose. I don't know. Seeing the fields and the farms and so I don't know what, what spurred it in my heart, but uh, maybe it was my mom's flag and the picture of the flag, forget me not, in uh, our living room. I don't know, but I developed patriotism. And I, it makes my heart sink and I get so depressed and so discouraged when I see what's happening to our country. And then, and then to know that people don't care. And sometimes, well, let me preach for a second. Even some Christians don't care. Not you, but other Christians. But we need to weep over our nation. There's a lot of things to weep over. We could preach last week's message, but it's in a soundbite, the destruction of the home. There's not a home in here, and I could look at everybody in the eye here this morning, whether you have an intact home or not. We've all been affected by divorce, have we not? We all we all been affected by dysfunctional families. We all have sinners in our own homes and so forth, and our homes have disintegrated. And they mentioned last week, my three sons and Ozzie and Harriet and all those. Those are all days gone by. The nuclear family has been fissioned, has been blown up in America for the most part. We could it should make us cry. What God has joined together, not man put asunder. Our nations turned away from God. We're not even seeking God. We're mocking God. We curse his name every day on television. Hollywood uh, is uh, the, the chief teacher of our children today. And the, the internet and so forth. And we're, 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 we're being destroyed from the, the foundations and the principles that made our country great. And we're, God blessed us. There's a shrinking of his church. Across America is the shrinking of his church. And and uh, I've already said I'm preaching to the air because you're again, you're here. And I'm not, I always have to qualify this. I know there's people that I don't even want here myself because they're, 
they could be compromised. But I'm talking about our older generation. It's time to, we, we get, we've always lived in a life, we've always had, getting up in the morning, there's a risk to getting up in the morning. You know that. There's a risk to, to living the day. There's a risk for you coming to church today. There's always risk, but we, we, there's some of us that we decided that it's worth the risk to come to church. It's worth, worth the risk to go to work. It's worth the risk to go to the store, and on and on we go. I think it's worth the risk to get back to the house of God is what I'm trying to say. And God, God's called us to do that. And so we should weep over our nation as Jeremiah wept over his. Fourth lesson, and I've already alluded to it, but let me give you the point, and we'll make reference back to chapter 1 for a moment. Verse number 12, but Christ took the whole brunt of judgment for his people. This psalm, song, excuse me, that was sung, these five songs, these funeral dirges, were sung, and they're still sung by the Hebrews today. Sometimes they don't even know what they're singing. Look at verse number 12 of chapter 1. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by, behold, and see that there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow? No one ever suffered like Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. This is a prophetic passage of scripture here. Which is done unto me wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Where Jesus died on the cross and he had to say those words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When God the Father turned his back on God the Son, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God of him. Chapter 2, verse number 15. Look at these prophetic messianic verses of prophecy. Verse, chapter 2, verse number 15. All that pass by clap their hands at thee. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of, of Jerusalem. And don't we see the parallel with the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? He saved others himself. He cannot say they mocked him as he was being crucified. His own people mocked him. Verse number, chapter number 3, verse 14 and 15. Glance at it across the page, if you will, please. I was in derision to all my people and... and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made drunken, me drunken with wormwood. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 30. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled, uh, he is filled full with reproach. And again, the messianic prophecy of Christ's future suffering in, for our sins. Isaiah 53, of course, puts it more succinctly for us mere Gentiles. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, that's Jehovah God, hath laid on him, that's Jesus Christ, the iniquity, the sin of us all. In verse number 10, astounding, astounding, amazing grace, how can it be? Amazing love, how can it be? It pleased the Lord, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God sent his son to be the propitiation, the covering, the helosmos for our sin, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid it all. Calvary covers it all. The sacrifice for our atonement, the sacrifice for our sin was made at the cross of Calvary. This whole, this whole Jerusalem that, that was in, and Judah that was in our captivity, and they were singing their funeral dirge, there was an atonement that would be made, of course, before the foundation of the world, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And they sing about it 2,500 years later. They sing about it, they don't even realize who they're singing about. That links me to the fifth lesson and where we park for a couple more minutes here. What do we, what do we say when we, we look at this book? Or what do we learn when we look at this book of Lamentations? 
in verse number 17 of chapter number 3, the middle chapter, verse number 17 says, And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. He said, I, we see his weeping in verse 17, 18, and 19. Look at it, it says, verse number 18. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. There's no hope. Remember my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the, the gall. He said, uh, there's no hope. But I want you to notice verse number 20 begins to turn around. My soul hath them still in the remembrance and is humbled in me. Verse number 21, we see the transition. This I recall to my mind, therefore I, have, I, I, I hope. Notice we can weep with hope. We can weep with hope. So many things in America, and I, I know I'm probably, I'm not trying to be sensational here. I probably, I'm, I'm weirder than most of you folks are. I'm very weird, I guess. I'm very different. A lot of things in America I really loved. Things that don't make the pulpit here, but I, I love sports. I love football, basketball, baseball. Now everything's gone woke. And politics has got to come in and sports now. It's like, I'm done with it. I, I was so weird, I used to like news. I used to watch news channels and so forth. I used to watch, talk radio. I said, I'm, I'm not done with it. I'm, I'm half done with it now. I still got to listen to inform you folks on a few things here. But I used to get my joy from watching certain shows. And now it's like, don't even want to watch it. Why bother? My joy has been squelched. My hope has been, my hope in America is very nil. I thought about it. And some, hey, 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 they're not here this morning. I'll just, let me preach for a minute to, to, to the green pews. Some people are not here this morning. I know for a fact we got some people that come to our church. So they don't like America anyhow. They were born here all their life. They don't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance even before we, we came, BLM came along. They don't, they don't like this country. They, think, they just think, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. Well, I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm a, I was a citizen all my earthly life for this country too, and I love this country, and people died for it, and I think it's worth living for, and I think it's worth patronizing and being patriotic about, but that's all archaic now. It's not in vogue any longer. But I think there's, my hope used to be here. What am I trying to say? What this year has done for me in the last year and one month, two months that I've been, my hope has been being transferred from here. It's being transferred much over, much more over to here. And I realize I seek another city whose builder and maker is God. I better get my hope for my, my joy is in the Lord and he is my strength. And so we see this change. Look at chapter 3, verse 21 I referenced. And verse 22, 23, 24, we'll come back to that. But go to verse 25. The Lord is good. Unto them that wait for him. Oh, Lord, even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm waiting for you. To the soul that seeketh him. I'm seeking you. One thing this has done for me, it's caused me to drive me to read my Bible more. It's caused me to pray more. It's caused me to set my affection on things above, not things on the earth. I've, I've had to forsake, not willfully, but almost on, on, on purpose. I have no choice. I've forsaken my, some of my loves. And I've placed it on my eternal love, my real lasting love, of course. That's a good thing. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, David said. Verse number 26, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait 
for the salvation of the Lord. Verse number 27, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. One life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Work for the night is coming. Now's the time to work as never before. In the king, for the kingdom of our God and for, for Lord Jesus Christ. Now's the time to uh, work for the night is coming when no man can work. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that called me. The night cometh when no man can work. And so, so now's the time to, 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 to hope. Now's the time, he, he just, hope is never before for the blessed hope, of course. That leads me to those, that, those in Christ. And let me, before I give you ABC on our worksheet, let me do this real quickly here. I don't know how people do it that have no hope. I don't know how people do it that don't have Christ in their life. If this life only we have hope in God, we are above all men most miserable. What if this is it? What if the atheist is right? The agnostic or the, the, uh, the, the communist or the atheist or the infidel. What if they're right? What if we die and we're six feet under or we're just burned up in a box? What if that's it? Well, man, I'd be hopeless too. I'd be committing suicide too, I think. Or maybe I'd try to do everything I could to stay alive as long as I could. No, this is, this is it. Just three score and no more. But there is hope. There's a blessed hope. And those that are in Christ, look, at we have his loyal love, verse 22. It is of the, uh, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not concerned, consumed because his compassions fail not. I'm thankful, I, you know, people that say, I just want God to be, I want, I want his justice. <laughs> I don't want his justice, I want his mercy. You can have his justice, no thank you, I don't want justice for my life. I'll take mercy, please, thank you very much. We have his loyal love, He'll, he, he's, he's always there, he says, yeah, I've loved thee, Jeremiah 33.3, with an everlasting love. I'm not holding on to him, he's holding on to me. We have his love, his loyal love, those in Christ. We have his passionate pity. Thank God for his pity. I need to be pitied. You need to be pitied too, by the way. I know you don't like that, but they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, uh, or his compassions fail not, rather. Thank God for his mercy, verse number 22b it should be. And then 23, thank God for his total trustworthiness. Again, they're new every morning. Great, we just sang the song in the, well, 815 service, I guess we sang it. Great is thy faithfulness. We have hope. We have hope in the world to come. We have hope in Christ. The worst days of our eternity are in our three score and ten right now. One day we're going to pass off this scene. Everybody's going to pass off the scene. In a hundred years from now, what difference does it make? In a hundred years from now, everybody that's on planet Earth is going to be gone, one way or another. Only what's done for Christ will last. I look forward to that day. But let me give you three takeaways and we'll be done this morning. Three truths to take away. Number one, what do we learn from these five lessons of lamentations? Well, we learn this for sure. Persistent, unrepented sin always, and I said always, brings judgment. For whatsoever man soweth, Galatians says, that shall he also reap. You're going to die one day, and I'm going to die one day because the wages of our sin is death. And barring the rapture, we're not going by the upper taker. We're going by the undertaker. We're going, we're going by way of death. But I hope for deliverance and the rapture, of course. 
But judgment, was pointed out once the after this judgment. Judgment must be dealt with because God is a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I am reminded in, back to church, churchology, if you want to call it that. You want to build a crowd, you preach on God is love. You want to build saints, you preach on God is holy. God is holy. And before he's love, and he is love, he's all love. But the attribute, the spoke of the wagon wheel of God's attributes is his holiness. He is holy before he's anything else. And because he's holy, he can, he's loving, he's righteous, he's just, he's merciful, he's kind, he's good. He's all of those things because it all comes back to his holiness. He's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so, truth number one we take away from Lamentations, no matter how good Jerusalem thought they were, how amazing it was, how, alas, the Lamentations, how could this possibly be? How could God destroy the apple of his eye? I hope for the fifth and seventh or last time, I hope I'm wrong. If God doesn't judge America, we maybe have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We're a sinful nation laden with sins and where iniquities are great and we will not humble ourselves and come to God. God will judge sin. But number two, what do we, what's the second takeaway that we have? Oh, I didn't give you part number two of number one here, I guess. Well, I, I don't have your same worksheet, so let me just give you, it is number two here, I guess. God always sees our tears. Think about this for a moment here. Let me just... Psalm 56, verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Behold, they put, put down my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Behold, the eyes of the Lord in every place behold the evil and the good. I, I really believe this. Somehow God's got a book. And every tear that I've shed, every tear that you've shed is in his book. They that sow in tears, Psalm 126, verse 5 says, shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again bringing his sheaves with him. The Bible says of Jude, and some have compassion, making a difference. God sees, and sees our tears and hears our weeping, and his heart is touched and moved. We need to pray for America. We need to pray for our unsaved loved ones, lost family members. I think of how God's been so gracious. I talked to my mother this morning, and now he's working on five years already. I can't believe my dad's 84. He's, I can't believe he's still with us. Can't believe my dad ever got saved at 79 years of age. That just blows my mind. God's a good God. And there's a lot of tears that shed. Not, not many of my tears, but a lot of my mother's tears were shed for her husband of 64 plus years. And God's good. God will see, see our tears. He puts them in a bottle. He remembers them. And therefore, we should weep over sin. There's the second fill in the blank word. I wanted to give you Lamentations 3, 48, 49, and 51 for time's sake. Let me go to James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Dry not to God, and he will dry not to your Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned in mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves, and therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So we learned that there's a time to weep over sin. There's a time to Come to the mourner's bench and get right with God. God's called us to serve him with a pure heart fervently. But thirdly, and I end with hope and the great hope, of course, God's children, the third takeaway that we know from these lessons and lamentations, 
God's children, those that seek him, or those that are saved, those that have been born again, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you called upon Jesus Christ in a personal way, like you went to an altar and said, I do? Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart personally? You say, well, I've always known he's there. No, have you invited him into your heart? Have you been saved, been born again? Bible words. Have you been saved? Those that have been saved, those that seek him, even in times of judgment, will God be with them every single day. Great is thy faithfulness. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is with us even in times of judgment. The day may come, I'm going to share it tonight, and Tim will be preaching tonight, but I want to take two minutes out. I, I get so many prayer, prayer letters, I end with this illustration, we're done. I get so many prayer letters from missionaries. Most of them would get to file 13 pretty quick, I'd be honest with you. It's just, just case overload. I got a missionary letter I'll share with you tonight. It says, that's a dumb prayer card. The picture was of a man, but his face was all blacked out. You couldn't even see what I said. What's this all about? Well, then I read the prayer letter. He's South Korean. He's ministering to those in North Korea. The death penalty for smuggling Bibles into North Korea and uh, in the most heinous ways. In fact, death is welcomed. It's the pre, pre, pre things that happen before you're dead that that's, that's, you'd be horrific. And he's a CIA, FBI missionary, if you will. He's ministering to people that, that don't even realize or that, that he could give his life to or give his, be guilty of being killed, of course. But God is with him every day. Uh, he had another picture of him, and he had the black out just his eyes. So said, the mask here, the mask was here. And he had a big smile on his face. And I says, he's got the joy of the Lord in his heart. And uh, he's a hunted man. He's a hunted man. He's, he's uh, putting his life at his risk, but he knows that Jesus is with him every single day. He's, got a, he's, he's willing to pay the ultimate price to serve the Lord. Will the day come in America where we have to pay the ultimate price? I saw, I said last story, and it's a soundbite, a missionary in Alberta, Canada, a, missionary, a pastor in Alberta, Canada, in prison for not socially distancing and not requiring his church to wear masks. He said, oh boy, I hope they don't come to Harvest Baptist Church, and I'm glad we don't have Canada as our government. But the day of persecution may come, I don't know, and it may be sooner than we think. But God, God says, I'll be with you every day. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Your people have listened very attentively to this preacher. Lord, thank you for being, your, being so good to us. Lord, in the grand scheme of things, we've suffered so little. We've been judged so little, less than our iniquities deserve. Lord, we pray for your church, your assembly. Lord, there's a lot of people I'd like to pray for that are not here this morning. Some that shouldn't be here, but a lot that could be here. Lord, we know that the word of God will never return void, but it will return void to those that never hear it. Lord, help us to be in the house of God so we can hear the word of God preached. Thank you, Lord. There's a blessing to those that are listening to the word of God today. Lord, bless them. Lord, give them hope. Our hope is in thee, O Lord. We thank you that, Lord, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that even in times of judgment that you're always there with us. You're a good God, you're a gracious God, and you, God, and you see our tears and you know our, our heart's desire. May we weep for our nation. May we rejoice for your coming. 
We'll thank you for a blessing in a moment's invitation. We pray in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. As we stand together, 153, I forgot to tell the, gentle, the guys here, 153.